Welcome to Living the Questions, a podcast of the Unitarian Universalist Church of Cheyenne. Thank you for joining us. Here on Living the Questions, we wrestle. We wrestle with life's dilemmas, we wrestle with current events, and we wrestle with what it means to live lives of integrity. We hope that you find some community, some comfort, and some hope in this time together. To learn more about our congregation, you can visit our website at uucheyenne.org. Welcome, everyone, to this week's podcast. Our question this week is, uh, it involves a, a phrase that I feel like I wish I could banish from our shared vocabulary, but you, I don't know quite how, how else to say uncertain times, so you'll just have to bear with me through a question that includes the phrase uncertain times. And the question for this week is, how can we make courageous commitments in uncertain times? You know, how can we make courageous commitments to our congregations, to our wider communities, to our families, to ourselves? How can we make these kinds of courageous commitments given just the astronomical level of uncertainty that's in front of us? Certainly no easy answers to this one, but uh, let's dive in. So to dive into this question, I want to talk a little bit about current events. And uh, for those of you who live here in the state of Wyoming, it is currently our legislative session. And so it being our legislative session right now means that there are all kinds of bills happening um, in our legislature. And uh, I think many of us who are here in Wyoming wish that folks would spend a little more time solving our uh, astronomical funding and budget crisis here in the state rather than trying to like be the person who uh, sponsors the bill that they think is going to overturn Roe versus Wade. But all of that being said, the legislature is an interesting opportunity to, um, to watch people work when there is not a clear path forward. To watch both like both legislators and lobbyists and citizens and community organizations right to watch people work on legislation against legislation whatever it might be when there is no clear path forward um, and to see people who have had their cause their legislation whatever it might be kind of denied or dismissed uh, again and again and again to see people continue to put in the work, Um, right? There's a little part of it that sometimes can (laughs) veer into nihilism. Um, But there is this other dimension of it that is a deep and profound commitment to this place to Wyoming, to their home communities. Um, I had the delight of getting to watch Representative Kathy Connolly, um, you know, explain some policy pieces of uh, a proposed 
uh, hate crimes bill and, you know, watching her work, right? watching her do her thing, watching her advocate for this legislation, you know, not, I think, for the first time in her legislative career, for me, it re- like, it was an opportunity to watch somebody stay committed to their community and to their cause when they're, right, like, in face of unbelievable uncertainty, when there is not a clear path forward, when, you know, they do need to figure out how to make that happen, and it's not clear that it's going to. And yet she has remained consistently committed. And that kind of commitment does not come easily. That kind of commitment comes often at, at significant personal cost. It comes at the cost of of having to keep doing something even though you're going to expose yourself to all kinds of vitriol, even though you're going to expose yourself to the reality of failure. And that kind of commitment, that commitment is courageous and is, is worth doing. To ground us in our Unitarian and Universalist history, I'm uh, going to kind of take us, you know, like way, way, way all the way back in our history to a story from the Gospels. And this story is the story of Jesus feeding the multitudes. And there's, right, like there's sort of two back-to-back stories in many of the Gospels where Jesus, for he first, he feeds 5,000 people and then he feeds 4,000 people. And they have some similarities um, and some differences. And, you know, I think one of the, you can say like the first crowd is Jewish and the second crowd is Gentile um, or, you know, the locations they do it in are different um, and sort of the results in the kind of symbolic numbers that are involved in the multiplying of the food are different. Um, But one thing that I want to lift up from the the sort of the second story of Jesus feeding the multitude is kind of where they are and how that impacts their their courage as disciples of Jesus. Right? Because they're out they're they're kind of out like really in the middle of nowhere when Jesus feeds the four thousand. Like it's like for those of you here who are here in Wyoming, like it'd be like them in the middle of the red desert. They are nowhere. And so, right, like they, or for those of you who are not from Wyoming, it would be like if uh, Coachella had no food, right? Like that's the kind of isolation and uh, desertedness that where this gathering of thousands of faithful was. And I just, I really think about that moment that one of the disciples turns to Jesus and says, you know, like, where do you expect me to find food out here? Where, where do you expect me to get food out here? What are you thinking? And uh, I think that at many points during this pandemic, um, I have both felt like that disciple 
um, turning to somebody and saying, like, well, where do you expect me to do church out here on the Internet? Like, where do you expect me to find donors out here on the Internet? Where do you like, what do you expect me to do? And I think at other moments I have felt um, like Jesus turning to my people, my incredible volunteers, or even in other organizations that I've been involved with, turning to people and saying, like, well, well, you just you feed them. You feed you feed people. That's just what you do. And so I think about um, the courage that it takes to make that kind of commitment to just to look around an, a vast and empty desert, whether it is a literal one or a metaphorical one, but to look around that vast and empty desert and say, like, yeah, we're going to feed them. We're going to feed the people because that's what we're here to do. And it doesn't matter that we're out in the middle of the desert and there is no grocery store and no food vendor um, and no other source. But we are committed to being a community and so we're going to feed these people. And I, I, I think I wonder how we can take that lesson And how we can, uh, as contemporary Unitarian Universalists, kind of bring that courageous commitment with us um, in our history. Though many of us are not, you know, not Christian and not super into the Bible. But I think that this story is one and that moment is one that many of us can relate to of either looking at someone and saying, like, this is what we said we would do, so we need to figure it out. Or being in the role of the disciple and looking back and say at someone who has asked something of us and saying, you have got to be kidding me. When I was in high school, and I can't remember if this was in a class or in church youth group or what, but at some point during high school, some adult in charge asked a group of us youth the question, what would you be willing to die for? Like, What, what would you give your life for? What would be such a compelling cause that it would lead you to lay down your life for it. And um, as a person who has gone to seminary and studied scripture and church history, right, like church history is full of martyrs, both sort of the broader witness of just like institutional religion and organized religion um, is full of martyrs, whether you are talking about Islam or Hinduism or Judaism or Christianity, right? Like religion is full of martyrs. And Unitarian Universalism also has its own martyrs, both um, I would think like more, you know, more historical and more contemporary. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about them in a second. But this question of like what – for what would you lay down your life is um, – there's part of me that's like, that's such a dramatic question. You don't need to be so dramatic about it. Um, what do you lay down your life for? Um, and yet that that question is relevant. And it has been relevant uh, to Unitarian Universalists 
for many generations and you know there are we are sort of at the end of the the era where we have people with living memory of those unitarian universalists who were martyred during the civil rights era and so i i struggle with that question you know, not only in terms of how useful it is in terms of guiding conversation about what courageous commitment might look like, but it, for myself, you know, what would I lay down my life for? And the Unitarians and Universalists and Unitarian Universalists who have laid down their lives, um, many of you might be familiar with uh, James Reeb, especially those of you here in Wyoming where um, his his, you know, some family and descendants and historical family have lived and do live um, up in the Casper area. Um, and James Reeb was a Unitarian Universalist minister who uh, was beaten to death in uh, the South um, as part of the marches in Selma. And Viola Liuzzo was a... Um, Unitarian Universalist from the Detroit area up in Michigan uh, who went down, felt called to go down, um, and was shot and killed. And so we have these contemporary examples of Unitarian Universalists who are putting themselves in dangerous situations because they believe that they are called to act on their faith. Um, and... We also have, you know, historical examples of martyrs, you know, people like Michael Servetus, who was uh, burned at the stake uh, by our pal Calvin um, for preaching non-Trinitarianism. Um, and so when I think about their lives and their legacies, I think about the but just the level of commitment that is required to put yourself in that kind of danger, the level of commitment that is required to say that, right, like whatever is happening, it is worth the risk. It's worth the risk. And so when I think about how we can make courageous commitments in the face of just so much uncertainty, I think that it's a question, uh, you know, not of, you know, like how, how brave can we be, but a question of how do we figure out what is worth the risk, right? What's worth the risk? What's worth, you know, when we think about martyrs, we're asking the question, what's worth risking your life? But I would say that there are ways to make courageous commitments short of laying down your life. There are courageous commitments that involve risks to lots of other things, you know, there's courageous commitment that involves risk to your reputation. Uh, there's courageous commitment that involves ri the risk of failure. Like, God, that like the 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 risk of failure is so real. Um, there's a courageous commitments that involve the risk of money, right? Investing in something when you don't know exactly how it's going to work or whether it's going to work out or when it's going to work out. Um, and not like investing in the stock market, which is a risk, but I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily what I would call a courageous commitment. Um, but more investing in your community, 
right? Giving money when you don't know that it's going to do exactly the thing that you want it to do because people are trying something new. Um, there's courageous commitments that involve you know, challenging your family. I think anybody who has ever tried to have a compassionate and open conversation with a family member who is um, of a vastly different political stripe from them and they've kind of you know, I think especially here in places like Wyoming, right, if you have stuck your neck out in front of a family member or a beloved, like that is a very real risk. And so in order to make courageous commitments, we need to think differently about risk. And it's interesting because we have actually thought and talked so much about risk over the last year. We have talked about, like, what's the risk of opening church? What's the risk of not reopening church? What's the risk of reopening schools or not reopening schools? You know, how much risk is tolerable for my family? How much risk is tolerable for my community? Um, We've talked a lot about risk in the sense of, you know, our risk of contracting the virus. And so I I wonder if there is uh, an opportunity in this moment as we are kind of marking a year and turning towards a future that is not the one we left a year ago and is not the one we're living in now. As we turn towards this future, I wonder if we could give some of this risk assessment energy to explore the spiritual financial, and community risks that we are willing to take in order to make the kinds of bold changes that we know are needed in our communities. And to be willing to get it wrong sometimes, to be willing to not have all the answers and yet refuse to believe that not having all the answers means that we shouldn't engage. Back when I was in high school and somebody asked me, what would you lay down your life for? What what cause would lead you to lay down this very life you hold dear? And, uh, And, you know, as a high schooler, the thing that I said was that I said, Religious freedom. That was the thing. That was the thing that I would fight to the death for, is for my right to be Unitarian Universalist, for my right to worship and uh, believe as I saw fit. And as I have grown older and have become a spouse and a parent and you know, moved differently in communities. I think that uh, my list of what I would lay down my life for has actually expanded. But I've been thinking back to that answer that I gave back in high school, that I would lay down my life in order to keep making the kind of community and to keep believing in the ways that Unitarian Universalism let me believe. And... When I think about that, when I think about that kind of commitment, 
I think about, you know, how how can I bring that energy into Unitarian Universalism today? Not necessarily by laying down my life, though. I, you know, I don't know. I, I stand by my high school answer. But but by living in a way that engages risk on behalf of our living faith. Courageous commitment means that we need to live by engaging risk. So what are we willing to risk? Thank you for listening. Your presence matters to us. Whether you are here in Cheyenne or across the globe, we are grateful that you would spend this time with us. If you'd like to connect more with our community, you can visit our website at uucheyenne.org. I'm the Reverend Hannah Roberts Vilnave, and on behalf of a grateful community, thank you. We'll see you soon.